Okay. Um, lovely to be with you. I say that kind of hesitantly because I think anytime you're trying to open up the scripture, um, we want to do it together. And so if I spark things and you want to chat about it afterwards, come and talk to me. Um, I hope actually this will spark curiosity. Um, I don't know what your backstory is. I don't know if the things of God are new to you or if you've been aware of him for many, many years. Um, I grew up in a Christian home, and so from no height, I learned about the stories of God. I learned what he had done and what he is doing. And as I started to own this faith, it was not no longer a family faith, it was my faith, and progressed through student years, uh, sorry, teenage years and student life, I was aware I hadn't been taught a lot about the Holy Spirit. An equal part of the Trinity Yet it seemed the spirit was silent in my world. Or maybe more accurately, it felt like the spirit was a little mysterious. And so I'm loving that at Central and across Carnmoney, we're taking time this year to not just talk about Pentecost, but to spend some time exploring the aspects and elements of the Holy Spirit. And looking at the nature of the spirit, it allows space to ask questions to read around for ourselves, to study, to listen, to chat, to ask, what is this? What is happening? How does this relate to me? And I think sometimes in church circles, we feel like we can't ask questions because we don't want to expose our own ignorance. And I just do not buy into that line of thinking. How else do we learn? How else do we understand or do we grow? So when preparing for today, I went and asked questions of some of my colleagues at Bible College, sparked some really interesting conversations about um, both theological and personal. I tucked myself away in the library and read through what other theologians had to say about this aspect of God. I have a lot to learn, but I've loved how this series is helping me find out more. So allow this series to give you permission to ask questions to be curious about God and particular the nature of the Spirit. Don't just take what I say or what Dave says, but look at it for yourselves. Allow this space, allow in this space to be curious and above all to meet with God. As Dave has said, so far we've touched down on the Holy Spirit as a gift of God, the Holy Spirit is the fire of God. And now today, the image I want us to consider is the Holy Spirit as the breath of God. I want to start by reading you two passages that are behind all that I'll share this morning. One in the New Testament and one in the Old Testament. And we pick up the New Testament one in John's Gospel. The timeline, it is post-Jesus' death. He has risen, but the disciples have not seen him yet. And we pick up the story in John 20. Um, the closest parallel to this is found in Luke 24. Sit and listen or follow the words on the screen. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together, with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After this, he, he, uh, after he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive another's sins, their sins are forgiven. 
If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. And the part we'll focus on is, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. The language and imagery of breath is not used a lot in the Bible. And in fact, this is the only time this precise meaning is used in the New Testament. However, it is used in the Old Testament. Right at the start of the unfolding story of God, we see the same word and the same meaning used in Genesis 2. And it says, Then the Lord formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living being. And the Lord God breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And so there's something to take note of in that connection. And appreciating them together might help us better understand what is going on. But I don't want to imply that the Bible is a puzzle of dot to dots. But rather at times when we study and reflect, we're drawn in not just into the accessibility of Scripture, but, and the significance of now, but also the depth. And so this evening, I simply want to draw your attention that God is the bringer of life. He is the bringer of life. And as these passages show, he is ushering in new life. In Genesis 2, we have a really powerful description of life being formed. The Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living being. And it's powerful, I think, because we know it. We know the vital importance of breath, of breathing. We listen out for that first breathing of a baby just born or we listen over the cot just to check or that first aid course that you took in case of an accident. We know. And yet, to be honest, I just often get on with my life I don't take time to acknowledge this is going on. I am alive. I am breathing in, out. The rhythm works away, not requiring any conscious work, yet enabling each of us to operate with ease. Sit, stand, listen, think, live, to live. So take a moment and notice your breathing. Just notice. Notice the normalness of it, the quiet presence of it, the regular rhythm, how this rhythm works away, not requiring any conscious work, yet enabling each of us to operate with ease, to sit, to stand, to listen, to think, to live. Notice your breathing, the quiet in and out, and how it brings life. He is the bringer of life, the creator. But interestingly, when we consider the Holy Spirit this evening, we're drawn into considering that this life that God ushers in is more than just the physical. There is a power and anointing and authority that comes through the Spirit. And so this breath isn't just about life, it's about transformed life. Which causes me to ask, do I appreciate what God is ushering me into? Do I appreciate what he is doing in me and what he will do in me? And I think sometimes I get that initial transition, that moment when we first commit ourselves to God, that move from life apart to God to life with God, sins forgiven, in a relationship with him. We get that part. 
But maybe when that initial glow has worn off, do I get, do we get what he is inviting us into? What he's inviting us into isn't a one-stop movement. It's an ongoing movement. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to those of us who are being saved, it is the power of God. And I'm not alone. The disciples didn't get this either. If we go back to that passage that I read in John 20, we find them hiding away together, doors locked for fear of the Jews. Um, And I think perhaps we can possibly guess how they're feeling, the upheaval, the trauma of the last couple of days. But did you notice the opening words of Jesus? Peace be with you. As he reveals himself, the risen Christ, and remember the enormity of this for the disciples. Sometimes when we know these stories, we know where they're going and we miss out on what's happening in the moment. Notice the enormity of this for the disciples. They had witnessed his crucifixion and he starts with offering his peace. Can I just go off on a tangent for a moment and just say, do you hear those words from Jesus? When he appears unexpectedly in your life, he starts with peace. As you're trying to get your head your life around the things of God, know he opens with peace. I need that in my life. I need that in crazy schedules, in pressure and stress. But more than that, I am not in control. And I need the reassuring voice of God ushering in peace, peace in his presence. And that's what Jesus does. But more than that, he wants others to know his peace too. So what we witness in this moment isn't simply Jesus telling disciples, I'm alive, but he is sending them out. This group of frightened, huddled, door-locked disciples, he is sending them out. Again, Jesus says, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. The connections across these two passages are really interesting. They underline a new life, a transformed life, a new creation. This is the business that God is in. New life, transformed life, new creation. And we see this creation ushered in in Genesis. And we see the risen Jesus ushering in new creation with his disciples. This is the work of a new creation. Notice creation began as outlined in Genesis 2 with God breathing life into his creation. And now John, and if you remember the gospel of John, it starts with the creation story. And now John is finishing this gospel with the story of a new creation. Jesus has accomplished the defeat of death and he's begun to work of new creation. The theme of creation goes deep in this passage. It takes us back, Tom Wright wrote this, takes us back to the moment of creation itself. In Genesis 2, God breathed into human nostrils his own breath, the breath of life, and humankind became alive, alive with God's life. Now in creation, the restoring life of God is breathed out through Jesus, making new people of disciples and through them offering this new life into the world. Not individually, but to the whole to the church, to his family. Jesus says, peace be with you. He's not saying it to one person. 
He's commissioning his disciples, a collective gift made to the whole. Do we appreciate what God is ushering us into? It's easy to slip into thinking about me or you to be thinking about you, but there is an us here. Jesus is commissioning his disciples, a collective gift made to the whole group. The point of receiving the Holy Spirit is clear. It's not to give the disciples new spiritual experiences, though they will have plenty. Nor is it to set them apart from ordinary people, a sort of holier-than-thou club. Though to be sure, they will be called to live the rich, full life of devotion and dedication that is modelled on Jesus' own. The point is so that they can do, in and for the whole world, what Jesus has been doing. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. This is about sending. Only the presence of Jesus and the Spirit could transform them into a missionary community ready to carry on the Lord's work. Only the presence of Jesus and the Spirit could transform them again into a missionary community ready to carry on the Lord's work. Remember, this was a group of disciples locked away in a room, scared. A group of disciples locked away in a room, scared. And interestingly, it isn't an encounter with the risen Jesus that sends God's people into the world to mission. It's the breathing of God, the Holy Spirit, that does this. You may believe Jesus is alive, but keep your doors locked and withdraw from others. We cannot fulfill um, the mission that Jesus has sent us to without the Holy Spirit. We cannot do what he has done without the Spirit's power. Ours is a holy privilege. Our mission is to go into the world in the Spirit's power, bringing a reality of forgiveness to people who need forgiving. And if we stop and consider life, we realise that life brings life. Life is generous, it spills out. And so this life that God has breathed into mankind, he now breathes again, bestowing his Holy Spirit. As I've been thinking about this series, I've been really struck about how shining the spotlight on the Holy Spirit inevitably reveals the integrative nature of the Trinity, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And drawing our attention on the Holy Spirit, it inevitably draws our attention on the Father and Son. And as you look at today's passages, the Lord God breathed. And in the New Testament, it is Jesus that draws attention to the Spirit. You can't talk about the work of the Spirit without recognising the mission of Christ. And so we shortened the complexity and the mystery of this with the phrase, the Trinity. And I use this phrase and you use this phrase, but I was struck again afresh that often I don't appreciate the mystery and power of the divine God that it represents. So I ask you to allow yourself to be wowed by God this evening. Allow the powerful dynamic of Father, Son and Spirit to amaze you. Because as we push in, as we try to understand, I think the context of worship is incredibly helpful. Allow yourselves to worship this evening, to be a little taken aback at the greatness of this. I've been watching um, an ep some episodes of The Big Bang Theory lately, which in and of itself is a little bizarre sermon illustration, but stay with me. 
And as the characters interact, often you have the incredibly intelligent but socially awkward Sheldon displays his incredible mind with both conversations on banal general knowledge alongside the complexities of physics. While Penny, the sarcastic though kind neighbour, is portrayed as one with less intelligence, less critical awareness, and often with comedic timing, she literally admits her ignorance to whatever Sheldon is explaining. I'm not saying Sheldon's like God and we're like Penny. But rather, as I watch these interactions, they reveal both the complexity and the compassion of the world. And often when it comes to the world, I can focus on human interactions, the social side, and not appreciate the complexity with which our world operates. And so the idea, though the idea of God bringing life is true and clear, I guess as I've been preparing for this talk, I want all of us to take a moment today to appreciate the complexity with which our God operates. This breath is the work and revelation of the Spirit, but it is also the work and the revelation of God, the Son, and the Spirit. There is a beautiful co-working that invokes in us a sense of awe. A co-working that I, though I receive, I willingly receive, I cannot get my head around all that this means. Do you take time to worship? Do you take time to be astounded? Do you take time to appreciate the mystery of how God works? And also, as I've been preparing today, I've been reminded of the Lordship of Christ in my life. We are living to a different source. We each carry a purpose, little Christs. This Lordship isn't just about a transition from death to life. It isn't from knowing, knowing about him to being known by him, that entering into his family, that forgiveness of sins. It's not just that I've entered new life, but I am, we are experiencing the new life. This lordship of Christ has repercussions in my today. And so just like my breathing, I need to stop and take notice. Just like my breathing, I need to stop and take notice that I am called to tuck my life in beside, behind Jesus every day. You are called to tuck your life in behind Jesus every day. Do I stop and recognize that God brings life? So before I wrap up, a couple of questions. Who's in control of your life? Considering the breath of God reminds me of this living, this life. It isn't simply about the physical, the to-do list, but there's a spiritual dimension that is only possible through him, only possible through him. I live too often off my own tank. Are you living a life that you cannot do without him? without his breath, his life, who is in control of your life? And secondly, do you know you've been commissioned? Are you stuck in a room waiting for your marching order, orders, losing sight of the fact that Jesus has already sent us? He said to his disciples, and he said to his disciples throughout time, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. You don't need to wait. You don't need to hide in any room. He has sent you. 
So as I finish, there's three ways that I would ask you to respond. I wonder, would you just take notice of your breathing a little bit more this week? Take time to appreciate the life that you have. Maybe in being practical, just set a wee alarm on your phone for three o'clock every afternoon this week. And as it goes off, allow that to be the trigger to stop and recognize I am alive. And he is the bringer of life himself. Take time to notice. May I also ask that you give yourself some time this week to ponder how are you living this transformed life Jesus has invited you into? How is your transforming going? Are you letting him be Lord of your life? Are you trying to rest on him? Who is in control? How is your transforming? And finally, can we as central hear afresh that call that Jesus has been commissioning his church throughout the years? As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. Receive the Holy Spirit. Don't try. Don't try even for a moment to do this transformed life on your own. Don't try even for a moment to do this life of mission on your own. We need the Holy Spirit. But maybe even more importantly, Belfast needs it. Our country needs it. We don't offer ourselves, we point them to Jesus. The point of receiving the Holy Spirit is clear. It's not to give us new spiritual experiences, though to be sure we will have plenty. It is not to set us up um, from apart from ordinary people, a sort of holier-than-our club Though to be sure, we are called to live the rich, full life of devotion and dedication that is modeled in Jesus' own. The point is this, so that we can do this for the whole world, what Jesus has been doing. As he said, as the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. So receive, keep receiving, keep allowing your life, our lives, to be orientated to the call of God. Take breath. Allow him to be the life bringer. Through the Spirit, we are bestowed with a power, an anointing, an authority that comes through the Spirit, that only comes through the Spirit. God at work, bringing his life to ours. I guess what I want to say, and I hope you've caught it, this is yours, this is ours. This is the only way the church can operate. When you notice yourself trying to do things on your own strength, pull back and seek his. When you doubt yourself, remember he offers this to all of his people. Then the Lord God breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living being. Then Jesus breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Step into all he has. This is his way. Let me pray.